Why forgive? That's what we're going to wrestle with today. Why do that? Last week, we talked about how to forgive. It kind of seems backwards, but we're going through the Bible in order as best we can, and so this is the order we got it. Last week, we talked about the process of forgiveness. This week, it's the attitude. It's the heart behind it. Back in the 1840s in Ireland, they tended to have potato famines in Ireland. I don't know what the deal is about potatoes and famines in Ireland, but it happens a lot, and apparently they were having one. And the farmers were in such bad situation that they wrote letters to the landowners, and they said, please forgive our land. And this one particular one, well, you know, most of them all just said, sorry, no. (laughs) This one said, no, we cannot do that. We cannot, that'd be a bad precedent to set. Can't, you got to pay every cent. But you'll find enclosed something that might help with that. And included in that was a check that covered all the debt for the loan as well as a whole lot more. So he didn't forgive the loan, but he forgave the loan, right? He maintained the integrity of the process, but he still was able to work mercy in. God did that through the cross. You realize that, right? A holy God maintained justice in our world, which is a a good thing. We want justice, especially when there's an injustice against us. We want justice, but we also want mercy, especially when the injustice was committed by us, thinking of speeding tickets and things like that, right? We want mercy, and yet um, God justice. So why do we forgive? That's what we're going to tackle today. I'm going to give you the the twist, okay? If you want to know how to tweet this message out, say it like this. We forgive, or God forgive, we forgive because God forgave us, okay? We forgive others of the significant sins or offenses they have against us because he forgave the infinitely significant sin. So he's going to, and he's going to do that. Jesus is going to teach us this through a parable. Okay, so with that, let me give you a little context. We're in Matthew 18. We're continuing to work through the book of Matthew. The series is called All. Jesus has all authority, so all nations will pledge all allegiance to him. That's the idea of the book of Matthew in a nutshell. Chapter 18, Matthew, or really Jesus, it's all in red in my Bible. So Jesus is saying all these, teaching all these different things, but his, the context here is not to the lost. The context here is to believers, to people who are following him. Now, remember, this is before there were churches and steeples and all of that. This is before Jesus has died on the cross and risen from the grave. He has followers, but they don't know what they're As we dive in, I just want to pause again. And Lord, we, um, we thank you for your word today. Um, it is God-breathed. As we think about it, I pray you help us understand it. May we uh, not just... So last week we talked about just, you just let love cover a multitude of sin. Move on. Sometimes there's a sin that is committed that needs to be confronted. And in the context of a local church, Jesus says, here's, a, here's some steps, three steps, that can help you do that. And we talked through that last week. It's, in the, it's on, in the wake of that teaching. Like as soon as he's done with class, so to speak, Peter runs to the front of the class. You know, you have that in college or or in classes where people go and talk to the teacher or the professor after class. It kind of feels like that here when Peter gets up there and he asks Jesus a question. Verse 21 is where we're going to start. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? 
Remember, verse 15, if your brother or sister sins against you, da, da, da. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some of your translations might say 70 times seven. I'll get to that. It's a good question. So it's interesting here, and Jesus knows this, Peter knows this, that the rabbis of that day would have taught that you forgive somebody one, two, even three times. And then after that, you don't have to forgive them anymore. That was what was taught in the synagogues. So Peter's thinking, Jesus is always up in the ante. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to go seven, double it and add one, right? Well, he's not even close, okay? He's not even close to 77. He's not even close to 70 times seven, which those are just using the numerical. In other words, Jesus is basically saying every time. When somebody confesses, someone makes it right, when, when, when they sin against you, what do you do? Now, I'm sorry, let me back up. Whether they confess and, and apologize or not, he says, when they sin against you, forgive them. Not when they deserve it, because you and I know they'll never deserve it. Not when I feel like it, probably never going to feel like it. Not when it's easy, not when it comes natural, because those things don't happen. We forgive. So what's he going to, so he says, um, basically says, when somebody comes to you, when someone sins against you, you forgive them, whether it's to their face or not, it depends on the circumstance. But then to drive home this point, he spent, so let's work through the parable. Basically, there's two servants and a king. That's main characters, okay? First servant. So starting in verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king or could be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Okay, he wants to call in all his loans. He's got servants that work for him. Uh, whether some of them work for him, some of them don't. But he's a king and everybody in the kingdom is a servant at some level. So I don't know if this guy works directly for the king or in his court. That's kind of the impression, but I don't know that that's required. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, some translations say 10,000 talents, has, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, that's a key phrase, he's not able to pay it back, okay? Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, his wife, and his children, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And this was not uncommon in those days. This is sometimes how you handled uh, those who couldn't pay their debts. They had to pay somehow, and so you got it any way you could. At this, his servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 talents. So what's a talent worth? So even if I could tell you exactly what it means, and I'm going to tell you what I think it means, but when you start figuring economics and inflation and all the values, we're not quite sure we can give you today's dollars, but I can certainly give you a point of comparison. So a talent is equivalent, one talent is equivalent to 20 years wages for a common laborer. 20 years wages for a common laborer, okay? So for us, that would probably be something making at least 15 bucks an hour, okay? But again, I'm not going to try to do all this to dollars. So one day's wages, I'm sorry, 20 years worth of wages, one talent. 10,000 talents then 
is 200,000 years of wages. So what do you make in a year times 200,000? That's how much money we're talking about. In any economy, would you say that's more than anybody can pay back? That's a lot, a lot, a lot. And nobody's paying that back, and no one's even getting close. So it's kind of, kind of funny that he says, please be patient with me. But he's desperate, right? His family and he are getting ready to be sold to slavery. He just, you know, please, just let me get some of it back to you. And the, the king deserves, it's, it's his. In other, way, in other words, he forgives the debt. He acts as if that debt never existed. Now, I want you to think about this. Somebody still had to pay the debt. Who paid the debt? So here's somebody who benefits, but justice is still served. It is paid. It's just not justice like we would think about it. Somebody paid the debt. Debt was paid. This is on the cross and our sin. Okay? The Bible talks about our sin as a debt we owe to God. Right? Lord's Prayer. Sometimes it's translated, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Forgive us our trespasses as, they, as we forgive our trust, those who've trespassed against us. All of those things mean the same thing. There's a debt that is owed that God forgave. The key that we miss, I miss it. This is why we don't forgive people. This is why Christians don't forgive people. Because we forget the debt we owed that was wiped out. We forget it, right? We don't really talk about it a lot. We just talk, we talk about forgiveness, but we don't talk about how much we offended a holy creator an infinitely holy creator that is sinned against. That's an infinite sin. If you're talking about it in terms of money, it's a debt you and I could never afford to pay off. Jesus is making this point to say, this is, this is why we forgive. Because my father forgave you. But the parable continues. There's more to come. Verse 28. So he canceled the debt, verse 27, and he let him go. Verse 28, but when the servant, that's the first servant that was just forgiven the debt, when he went out, he found, which implies he went searching, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. How much is 100 silver coins? So one silver coin, called a denarius, is worth one day's wages. One day, now we got 100, so 100 days wage. So four months, a third of a year, a third of a salary, annual salary. So we have a third of a salary. Now, I don't know about you, but that's real money to me today, okay? A third of my salary I need to pay the bills, right? You, third of your salary you need too, okay? So we're talking about a significant debt that is owed this servant, first servant. Second servant owes first servant a significant amount of debt. So it's reasonable for him to want to be paid back, is it not? In fact, it might even be painful because he's got nothing. We already know that. What does he do? We would expect, well, let's just see what happens. So he found the one who owed him 100 silver coins, and he grabbed him, 
and he began to choke him. And he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, sound familiar? Be patient with me and I will pay it back, almost word for word. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants, okay, let me get back to that. Okay, so he refuses to pay. This is what hap- This is what it looks like in our day. Someone, person A, sins against person B. Person B comes to person A and says, you slandered me, you lied about me. I, I don't think you really meant to do that, but I just want you to know that that, that happened, that hurt, and you know, please stop. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. I'll, who do I need to go to to make it right? You know, I go to those people, I'll make it right. That's what you would like to see happen, right? But what typically happens is, no, I didn't. No, I, I spoke the truth. What I said was true. In other words, I refuse to admit, well, then I'm not going to forgive you. I refuse to forgive. And now what do we have? We have hostility. We have lack of There's no reconciliation, okay? Lack of forgiveness is acting like this person who received infinite forgiveness but wasn't willing to share a little forgiveness out of gratitude for the infinite forgiveness that they received. When we refuse to forgive, we are the first servant in practice. Now, there's two reasons people don't forgive, at least. There's probably a lot more. But basically, if one is... You're not, you're not a follower of Christ, and so you don't even understand forgiveness yet. Or you have some worldly sense of it, but you don't really understand the profound forgiveness that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Or you're a follower of Christ, and you've forgotten the forgiveness you receive. Or maybe you really never even understood it, especially if you're younger. I, a lot of these things, when you first trust Christ, you, there's a, like... A hundred million things you don't have a clue about Jesus <laughs> when you come to know Christ. You just believe and you're walking towards him in faith. And that's all right. Where you are is where you are. And that's okay. Give yourself permission to be present where you are. But don't stop learning. Don't stop immersing here. And this is the reason. It's reading things like this and being reminded of parables like this where God is saying, I forgave you. Let me remind you or maybe from another angle help you understand just how sinful you really were before I forgave you. He just really wants to to make that clear. So what happens next? Verse uh, 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And so they should have been, and so we should be. Although I wonder how many times we, well, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You Wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Of course, the answer is yes. (laughs) In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Will he ever pay it back? No, he knows that. And it's a picture of how God deals with people who never receive his forgiveness and understand what they've received to the level that they would then turn it back to others. 
I'm not saying forgiveness is forgiving people is easy. It is not. When you are wounded or slandered or lied about or betrayed or your kids, they heaven forbid somebody do something to our kids or your parents or, you know, we get wounded. We get angry. We want vengeance. Justice, right? We want that. And there's a place for desiring holy, righteous judgment. God is a just judge. But then Jesus is like, but don't forget, in the end, God is the one who gets the vengeance. God is the one who takes care of the justice, setting the scales right in the end. God does that. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then you can do something that gives hope to this broken relationship in this world of broken relationships. How about we, we spend our efforts, instead of being angry, how about we spend our efforts at reconciliation? To the extent that we can, right? We, we can only do so much. We can do, but we do our part. Because we stand before God for what we do, not for what others do in response. He continues, in an, ang- an angry handed him over until he paid back. And then verse 35, then Jesus is ended the parable and he gives this last statement. This is how our, my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart, from your heart. Okay? This is how my heavenly father, so God and father is the one who's forgiving, will treat each of you. Who are you? It's, in the South, we would read this verse. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of y'all. Okay? It's you guys, you all, yuns, as my grandmother would say. Right? Um, it's, it's you all. So who's he, who's he, who is y'all here? It's Peter. James, John, Thaddeus, Bartholomew. Are those the same? I don't remember. All the 12, right? He's talking to those that are following him, his followers. He's not talking to the world here. Of course the world's not going to forgive. They don't have the capacity or power to forgive. Let's not expect them to behave like we're supposed to behave. We could, you know... Check those social media accounts, all right? Let's just dial it back. Let's try love instead of fear. So he's talking to the disciples, and he's saying, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister in Christ from your heart. So this isn't just words. And I understand when you're teaching children, sometimes you have to make them say the words even though they don't. Believe it in the heart yet, right? That's training a child up in the way they should go. At some point, though, they have to decide to actually forgive, right? And so do we adults because some of us haven't learned that yet. We're still just saying the words. I mean, you know, I I don't know. You know. God knows. Let me share two more verses and we're done. I know. Pick your job off the floor. Verse Matthew 6, 14. Actually, Well, I already said 12, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He's not saying if you forgive somebody, you're saved. He's not saying it's an if-then conditional computer statement, okay? He's saying that the evidence that you have been forgiven and have truly understood, comprehended, 
from the source of that, what you've received, that you will forgive. We have been forgiven, therefore we forgive. That is the, 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 the follower of Christ in good standing with God will forgive. Let me just say it that way, even when it's hard. And this is why, because the Holy Spirit of God, who loves to see reconciliation occur, is working. And he has power. And he will give you what you need to forgive when you don't feel like it. Now, usually your emotions will catch up. This is why you don't wait on your emotions. Don't wait till you feel like forgiving to forgive somebody. Don't wait. Forgive. Okay? When that person cuts you off on I-26, forgive them. Say it out loud. I forgive you for cutting me off today. You'll feel better. You'll move on. I promise you it will make an impact because I practice that sometimes. Okay. Uh, James 2. This is after Hebrews. Before the Hebrews. James 2.13. James writes, and this is kind of mid-sentence. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, I'm going to say it again, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Judgment without mercy. I don't know about you, but I need all the mercy I can get, right? You remember the painting joke I told? It's a true story. The wealthy guy, this is back in the days when they didn't have cameras, so they painted portraits, and he hired this famous artist to paint his portrait. And uh, he was not happy with the results when he saw the portrait, and he said, this painting doesn't do me justice. And what did the... You know, the artist said, well, what you need not justice, you need mercy. <laughs> That's what we all need. Then it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, in my, one of my theology books from back in the day of seminary, I remember this always, is, this has stuck out to me, these main characteristics of God, right? Truth, holiness, love, right? God is love. And then we want to go mercy and grace. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those aren't on the list. Wait a minute. How are those are not on the list? Truth, holiness, love. They are on the list under the heading of love. Mercy is a fruit of love. Grace is a fruit of love. Justice is a fruit of holiness. Okay? So justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace, which is a gift, is getting what you don't deserve. All right, I'll say it one more time. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You didn't get the fine for that ticket, mercy. Grace is somebody else paid the ticket for you, getting what you don't deserve. Okay? And this is what God did for you and I on the cross. And this is why we forgive others. Why forgive? Because... We forgive others who have sinned significantly against us because God forgives us infinitely for, those, for that infinite significant sin that we've committed against him. That's why we forgive. Here endeth the sermon. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being so clear. Lord, I pray that you would help us move past clarity and understanding and comprehension to a place of action. For some of us, we know right now we need to go see somebody. We need to call somebody on the phone. We need to write a letter. 
we need to make things right to the extent that we can by forgiving someone else. In some cases, Lord, we just need to forgive and move on. We don't even have to talk to them. Some people don't even think they deserve forgiveness and it makes us angry. Lord, I pray you would move us past those fear-driven emotions and just camp on love, grace, mercy. Help us to show one another grace and mercy. Especially help us Forgive those who are closest to us, the ones that we tend to take for granted and struggle to forgive because we have such a high expectation for them. Lord, high expectations are good as long as there's lots of grace and mercy behind it because we are all going to fail. We're all going to disappoint. But love triumphs over judgment. And as a follower of Christ, we, we have that promise to rest in. Give us the same thinking, the sound mind, the spirit of power, love, and self-control that would remind us to receive and to give that forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.